Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And my name is Joe McCormick. It's Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind email address. If you have never gotten in touch with the show before and you would like to give it a try, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. We give that email address at the end of every regular episode. Uh, but at the listener mail, we like to give it here at the top because uh, some people, they, they, they tell us all the time. In fact, they, they've listened for years, never written in. Why not give it a shot? We, of course, uh, really love and appreciate all of the messages we get. But if you want to be featured on a listener mail episode, you're especially likely to have your message pop up if you've got something interesting to add to a subject we talked about on the show. Uh, let's see. And this first message today does exactly that. Rob, uh, do you mind if I kick things off with this response to our series on headless beings? Yeah, let's have it. This is from uh, Joe who has written in before with uh, sometimes some great uh, lore from Southeast Asia. And Joe has more to add today. They say, Dear Joe and Robert, I'm a little behind on the episodes and just finished the one on headlessness. Towards the end of the episode, there was mention of headless ghosts and divine entities. I'm not sure if you uh, came across this in your research, but I believe the Penangalon might be of interest to you guys. Lore has it. 
Penangalan are witches that practice black magic. At night, they detach their heads from their bodies and float around in search of blood, children, pregnant women, and the likes. They are slightly different from other only-head creatures in that they still have internal organs trailing after their disembodied head as it flies around. Wow, that's gross. Just like soggy organ bags hanging out of the neck stump. That's that's brutal. Um, let's see. Uh, their vulnerable headless bodies are hidden away for safekeeping until daybreak when the floating heads and their entrails return and stuff themselves back into the body and become whole once again. There are similar legends throughout Southeast Asia known under names like uh, Krasu or Mananangal, both Penangalan and Mananangal come from the word Tangal, which means to be separated, which is apt for such a creature. Ah, but there's more. Uh, Joe continues, It's said that the smell of vinegar follows them around because they have to soak their innards in vinegar before they can fit them back into the body. You can ward off these creatures by placing thorny leaves around your house to damage their floating entrails, and you can kill one by stuffing glass and other prickly material into their necks if you find the headless bodies alone. This is gross. I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just searching around in my notes because I feel feel like something related to this has come up before, but I can't place exactly when it was. I don't think I did a monster fact on, on these, and I wasn't aware of all of these grisly details concerning this particular variant, but um, something like this has come up. Maybe I was just poking around in, uh, uh, for ideas and folklore at one point. I did not know about this, Joe. I'm going to have to look this up uh, after we're done recording here. Uh, but the email continues. Uh, they say, on a lighter note, there was some musing about the origins of the, quote, lock and load sequences in one of the listener mail episodes. Yeah, this actually goes back to our Weird House Cinema episode on the movie Critters, which features one of these kind of uh, w- what we ended up learning was widely referred to as the lock and load montage, but it's featured in every Batman movie. There was a sequence like this in Critters as well, where a character is like putting all of their suit and gear on and you see all the buckles snapping and the like things going into sheaths all in, in extreme close up. And then finally, there's a reveal of the full suit in in it, in all its glory. And we were wondering, what does that go back to? Like, where does that that filmic meme come from? Uh, and we never found a, a good answer to that. Yeah, it remains an open question. Joe has an idea here. They say. I believe those may have been inspired by Japan's Common Rider, uh, Henshin superhero series, and Magical Girl series that began in the mid to late 60s. The initial Common Rider transformations were quite simple, with the protagonist just yelling Henshin and then a shot of a belt or armor appearing. Later on, Sailor Moon appears to have popularized longer and more drawn-out sequences with more emphasis on various parts of the outfit. These transformation montages can easily be adapted for non-magical series just by having the characters getting themselves ready instead of having a device-slash-magical item uh, dress them. In any case, both often involve zoomed-in scenes of various parts of the outfit and or weapons accompanied by uh, thematic music, then completed by a slow pan of the completed ensemble or full-body shot. This also means that the montage of Tony Stark summoning his armor also counts as a magical girl transformation. 
uh, and then eyeball emojis. <laughs> Increasingly magical, I might add. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, happy holidays. Uh, if they're upon you by the time you read this, as always, I love what you do, and I'm looking forward to more episodes, Joe. Uh, well, Joe, thank you for the great email, as always. And I had not thought to look to, like, Hinchin uh, uh, superheroes or, or Sailor Moon or anything like that, but that is interesting. I could imagine that indeed being the source of this, uh, uh, of this uh, meme in film. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't put this together either, but it make it makes sense that this might be the connection. And and yeah, I mean, you have anytime you have uh, creative minds in cinema, they're gonna they're gonna borrow and find inspiration in various genres and in different uh, film cultures. So it makes sense that somebody realized, hey, we could tweak this a little bit, and uh, we can use this for more, you know, again, non magical, even non science fiction suiting up sequences. It would be truly hilarious if, like, the Batman suiting up montage goes directly back to Sailor Moon. With the, with the camera spinning around and all the light. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to come back to Iron Man, I, I probably hammered this home before, but I feel like the the suiting up sequences in, in many of these superhero movies, it's gotten, it's gotten too magical. You know, like there's no physicality to the suit anymore. I liked it more when when Iron Man had to have his own suit like put on or there's like robot arms putting it on for him. Mm -hmm. But when it just became just a sea of nanites that just kind of assemble yeah. on his body, it's like it's just so far removed from anything that I can touch and feel like it, 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 it just becomes this magical transformation sequence. He might as well be turning into Mumra the Ever-Living. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm being picky here. I have to drive home that I, I just rewatched the Infinity Stone movies with my son, and uh, they, they were even better than I remember. So I, lo I love those films. I, I really enjoy a number of the Iron Man films. I just, I just wish I could feel the suit a little bit more in those sequences. And to be fair, I haven't, I, I've seen some of the Iron Man standalone movies, but I haven't seen those, uh, the big Avengers ones. Oh, uh, no, they're good. They're there when you're ready for them. Okay. All right. This next one comes to us from Nathan, the subject, Robocop and Crossbows. Nathan says, greetings and salutations, gentlemen. I wrote y'all a while back with some comic connections concerning Rorschach and the question, well, I've got, I don't remember that one, but well, no, I kind of remember that one. Okay. Well, well, I've got some more in relation to RoboCop and its sequels. Both RoboCops 2 and 3 were co-written by Frank Miller, probably best known as the author of the industry-changing comic The Dark Knight Returns, published in 1986. When the highly anticipated animated feature was released in two parts in 2013, the aging Bruce Wayne slash Batman was portrayed by none other than the great Peter Weller. Hmm. Solid adaptation, perhaps more accessible than the atypical storytelling approach of the comic, definitely worth a view. That's interesting. I've, you know, I've never, I've actually never read uh, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, even when oh. I was in my, my biggest uh, comic book phases. Uh, I ended up going more in the Grant Morrison and Alan Moore direction, I think, uh, than the, uh, than, than, than checking these out. I don't know. It was a time, too, where I don't think there was a great digital solution. So mm. uh, these comic books, they get expensive and th th you read them so quickly, <laughs> then I you're out of comic books. I actually have read that one. Uh, I'm yeah. not. Uh, I'm famously on the show not up on my comics, Laura. So I, I haven't read a whole lot of, uh, especially like superhero comics. I've read like you know some some of the Alan Moore novels and stuff. But uh, I have done this one. It was like in a batch that I did some number of years ago, and I was like, okay, I'm going to read some of the big superhero comics that everybody says are great. So I read Dark Knight Returns. I read, uh, I think Long Halloween. You know, some other stuff like that. And uh, I 
don't remember a lot of detail about it, but I remember thinking most of those that I read were great. <laughs> I uh, this this is one that I remember I had a it's like an older cousin at the time when I was a kid, and he had The Dark Knight Returns. I remember him like showing me the cover, and it was like like this is the real business right here. This is the serious comic book, uh, you know. And you know this kid had nunchucks, so I, I just had to believe. Him. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, the email continues. Multiple on-themed comics can be seen incidentally in RoboCop, among them an issue of the now world-renowned Iron Man. RC3 was directed uh, by one Fred Decker, whose writing partner Shane Black, known for, among other things, their collaboration on the exquisite The Monster Squad, also 1987, who would also go on to direct the Christmas-laden uh, critical hit Iron Man 3, also 2013. Yeah, oh. I think... I think we uh, we referenced Shane Black a little bit in the episode that came out Friday, but uh, was not out at the time of this email. About how he sets all his movies at Christmas. and A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah and re- wait, Iron Man 3? I almost said RoboCop 3. Iron Man 3 was set at Christmas? That that sounds right. I have I seen it. I believe it was, yeah. I barely remember I like that. I that one. That one was fun. I remember it was funny, yeah. Monster Squad was also fun back in the day. I don't, I'm not in a big hurry to revisit it because uh, I think there's some things about it that are, are not going to age all that well. But mm. still, great-looking monsters in that film. Great cast. Tom Noonan this, uh, as Frankenstein. Yeah. All right, uh, it continues. In terms of sequel watchability, I think you both said that you'd not seen them. Um, well, I think we, we haven't seen three, uh, but right. we've both seen two. Uh, a yeah. lot, I think. Uh, speaking as a longtime fan, I was eight or nine when RoboCop came out on VHS and I first saw it. I'd say number two for sure, worth a watch. Agree. Yep. Tom Noonan is the villain, carries the picture, and a lovely montage of failed attempts to create another cyborg is superb. Once, once more, agreed. Grimly hilarious, yes. Part three, on the other hand, is a dud. Difficult to sit through, but the excellent and unexpected cast makes it ideal for a background viewing. The same can be said of the cartoon. Yes, another of those R-rated film-turned-toy-turned-cartoon properties. It's not good, but the credits reveal names I recognize from legit good work later on. The TV series, A Snooze. The remake, Snooze. Though I have to add, that one has a great cast. I haven't seen it. Uh, You may be wondering about RC Comics, and I must regretfully report, despite at least some having been written by the often remarkable aforementioned Frank Miller, also a snooze. Unfortunately, I found that to be the case, to be true, of basically all movie-turned-comics. I've read tons of Aliens, Predators, Terminators, etc., hoping to recapture some of the delight the movies provide, but they never really work. I'm fairly certain it's the lack of the iconic scores and sound effects that led to my disappointment. Yeah, I, I recall um, at one point trying to pick up one of those, uh, I don't know, some kind of aliens, colonial marine kind of comic, and it just did not click with me. I was getting in there. I was like, this does not have the magic of aliens, the film. Yeah, I think I did a an alien versus predator novel at some point before they did the movies so back when it was just a like comics and uh, a novel uh, franchise. And I remember enjoying it, but I also remember virtually nothing about the plot, but it was better than the movies that would come. As to the RoboCop remake, uh, uh, don't want to spoil anybody's fun if they like it, because we did get an email from a, a frequent correspondent who uh, I believe said that he enjoyed the remake, but I, I, I was not a big fan. Um, 
I, I'm not a person who says as a rule that one should not try to remake an already great film. You know, you can remake a film that was good the first time and find a new angle on it, find a new interesting way to approach it. Uh, but this is one that did in the end just feel completely unnecessary. It's just like, why does this exist? Now, Nathan goes on a little bit more about RoboCop. I'm going to I'm going to skip through some of this a little bit, uh, but it's it's all good stuff. Uh, but I'm going to get to the crossbows. Uh, Nathan says, now, finally, if I could back up to the topic of crossbows, there's a subcategory I think deserves a mention, the wrist-mounted crossbow. Notable examples of users in, uh, users in fiction include the drow of the Undertark, mm-hmm. Poison Ivy and Batman, um, and a hunter in Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust, who have been a long time since I've seen that one. I don't know it. Oh, it, you know, this is another one that when I was younger, there was a time when everyone was 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 all about uh, Vampire Hunter D. Uh, anyway, Nathan closes out by saying, chances are you've already seen Bloodlust. In any event, I highly recommend it. It's full of great Castlevanian creatures and multiple recent core episodes make me think of it. Crossbows, obviously, but something you said in the shows on shadows reminded me of a sneaky fiend who travels through two-dimensional shadow. And while he isn't Headless, like the subject of those episodes, there is a neat take on lycanthropy where the wolfman's entire torso opens up, revealing enormous jaws. Mm. I think I'll finish listening to your episode on RoboCop, finish rewatching RoboCop, and then rewatch Bloodlust. Fun. <laughs> sounds great, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a, a, some good uh, viewing lined up there. Um, yeah, the idea of, of mini crossbows... Um, this is kind of like a, a side tangent I might have to come back to in the future because there is this whole world. Like we touched on this a little bit talking about um, like that very early ancient uh, repeating crossbow that there's evidence of in China that may have just been a toy or like just a uh, an example of the basic principles of a design. But uh, it, it probably didn't have much strength at all. And most of the firing power came from the string rather than the bow. And so you do get into interesting design problems when you scale a bow or crossbow down too much and yet you do find examples of fairly small ones that were used because there would be environments where you would still want a ranged weapon but not have a tremendous amount of room to fire said ranged weapon um uh, i i forget the specifics on it but there was recently a samurai show at the high museum here in atlanta joe i know you went to this as well oh yeah as did uh, jj and if memory serves there was a small bow or crossbow i don't remember which uh, that was intended to be fired from a carriage or inside of a carriage but probably inside a carriage firing outside should there be bandits or whatnot hmm i i don't recall that specifically though there were a lot of amazing gizmos there yeah Anyway, Nathan, yeah, thanks for all the thoughts there um, and all the all the, the film recommendations as well. Like, you know, the Vampire Hunter D thing, I hadn't thought about that in a while. So I'll have to revisit it and see if uh, maybe, maybe I'll rewatch it as well. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, this next message comes to us from Daniel. It's in response to our series called The Sunken Lands, about areas of uh, land that have been covered up by water. Specifically, there's a part where we talked about the the observation uh, in areas around the like the southeastern coast of uh, of Great Britain uh, of tree stumps down underneath the surf that would sometimes be uh, revealed by like uh, movements of sediment by by heavy storms and how this is evidence that actually forests used to go down into the space that is now filled in with the North Sea. Daniel says, hi, Rob and Joe. I just listened with interest to your Sunken Lands episode one the other day, as I actually had a genuine experience like this where I live in the 90s. I live just short walking distance from the beach, the same village I grew up in, Grassy Head, Trial Bay, uh, NSW, Australia. I, think, I guess that's New South Wales. New South Wales, Australia. In fact, you can hear the sea roaring from our property being only a few hundred meters from the beach. After some wild weather, I went for a beach walk to see if any of the many shipwrecks were visible that uncover sometimes if the sand washes out of Trial Bay. Parentheses, Trial Bay named after a ship called The Trial, stolen by convicts from Sydney and wrecked on my beach in 1816. To my surprise, not only were there shipwrecks, but also a never-before-seen mudflat about a foot high and tree stumps sticking out in the breakers. These stumps were from an ancient mangrove forest, and some were a good two feet wide. I did take photos, but if they aren't attached, it's because I didn't find them. Well, Daniel, there weren't any photos, so I guess you didn't find them. 
Uh, Daniel says, over the next few weeks, it all covered up again. So there was at one time a forest where the beach is now. It was a strange experience to walk among the tree stumps in the waves at the beach. Thank you for your show. I've been listening for ages now. Cheers, Daniel. Excellent. That's uh, exactly the sort of in-the-field reporting we we're hoping to hear from our listeners. Yeah. Love getting emails like this. Thank you, Daniel. All right, let's get into the Weird House Cinema listener mail a little bit. This one comes to us from Lee. Lee says, greetings, Rob, Joe, and JJ. I hope you are all well. The recent episodes regarding headless men had me wondering about disembodied heads. The search quickly sent me into horror and sci-fi film best-of lists. One of note was the Den of Geek website. The list features notable movies and describes the scenes. They also include disembodied brains, or one at least. Since they mentioned Total Recall and The Thing, 1982, for specific scenes, I might further require the head or brain play a pivotal or at least interesting role in the plot. So <laughs> others, because I guess, yeah, I mean, there are films where heads incidentally um, fly around without bodies, I guess. Yeah, there's like the scene in Total Recall where Arnold Schwarzenegger is at the customs desk at Ma in Mars and he takes off a fake head that I don't know he was using to sneak into the planet disguised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. that's it. It's just like a fake talking robot head, and then it explodes. It's not a major plot point. Get ready for a surprise, yes. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> and there are other films like, you know, Big Trouble in Little China comes to mind as one that has a, a fabulous beholder-like creature that's essentially a floating head, but it's, it's not central to the plot. It's just really cool. Uh -huh. Anyway, uh, the email continues here. Uh, so others on the list include The Brain from Planet Aros, that's 1957. Uh, we haven't watched it, but it has come up uh, before. The Thing That Couldn't Die, 1958. The Fiend Without a Face, 1958. Now, we did cover that one on Weird House. Yes, we did. That's about the, uh, I just sprayed for brains last week. <laughs> <laughs> Zardoz from 74, that comes up from time to time. Not sure if, if that's one we'll, we'll cover. And uh, and then they say, as well as a couple uh, I would add on my own, The Frozen Dead from 1966, Invaders from Mars mentioned during the Maze episode. In looking into information on MODOK, I stumbled across the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villain Krang. Both of these could lend themselves to the Monster Fact treatment. Um, yeah, I'm a big Krang fan. I like MODOK. So uh, if there's anything to, to pull on there that's a little bit science-y, I, I, I'll go for it. The Crossbow episodes brought to mind the DC Comics hero Vigilante Huntress, I'm not familiar with Huntress, whose weapon is a crossbow pistol, as well as the Slee Stack from the 70s Saturday morning live-action show Land of the Lost, who had a crossbow weapon. While the Slee Stack were one of the baddies of that series, the role of Huntress sort of trends with that good-bad gray zone of Vigilante. Would you consider Chewbacca's bowcaster a crossbow-type weapon Keep up the great thought-provoking content. Regards, Lee. Oh, where to start? A lot of things mentioned here. Uh, at first, I didn't realize what you were talking about with Invaders from Mars. Uh, that came up in our episode on The Maze because it was directed, I think, the same year or just the year previous by the, the same director, uh, was it William Cameron Menzies. Both came out in 1953. So The Maze was the movie where, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, uh, it takes place at the Scottish castle, and the twist at the end is that the, I don't know, the little the prince of this castle is actually a giant frog monster. Uh, very weird. But then uh, Invaders from Mars is an early alien invasion movie that 
uh, was very influential on a lot of filmmakers who, who grew up watching films of this kind. Like uh, it was remade in the 1980s. Uh, but it, uh, it, it is a strange mix of plot devices and little moments that are actually kind of, uh, that are actually pretty brutal and scary. And then other things that are just hilarious. There, there's so many generals running around in Jeeps and just stock footage of, uh, you know, trucks and military trucks and (laughs) armored Mm -hmm. personnel transport driving around on military bases. It's like, okay, yeah, we, we, I think we've seen enough of this now get back to the alien ship. Uh, and on the alien ship, there is like a there's like a disembodied head that I think has these wires coming out of it. It's like gold or something. It's it's weird looking. As for the question about Chewbacca's bowcaster, we talked about it in the previous listener mail episode. I can't remember exactly where we landed there. Um, it, sort of a crossbow, but also sort of not a crossbow. I think that's, no, that's the fair it, way to put it. I'd, I'd say actually it is not only sort of a crossbow, it's fully a crossbow because it does shoot physical bolts or not just it, substantial, massive bolts. Uh, mm. Like, it, remember, it's not just plasma. There's metal stuff coming out of Chewie's crossbow. That's right. It's a, it's a bolt that has like a plasma coating. So that's what's crashing into your stormtrooper armor. Bam. Oh, wait, there's more. I forgot there's a PS. PS, Joe, for the record, I really didn't need an excuse to rewatch the Gargoyles movie. It was a fun, <laughs> nostalgic watch. Uh, that's the made-for-TV movie about gargoyles that live in a cave under the desert, which I have not watched, by the way, but um, I don't know. It came up for some reason. I think maybe because it was early effects work by Stan Winston, um, and it, it had some interesting cast members. Who was in it? Like Oh, know, Bernie Casey's in Ber- it. Bernie Casey and, like, mm-hmm. Scott Glenn or somebody? Yep, Scott Glenn. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got a... Got a it, there are a number of things interesting about it. So uh, I, I I saw it long ago, like on a lazy Sunday afternoon on A&E, I think. Um, so, yeah, it'd be worth coming back to. Looks like Scott, Scott Glenn's really young in this. Younger than you would ever guess Scott Glenn ever was. <laughs> okay, should we call it there? All right, yeah, let's go ahead and close the book on this episode of Lister Mail. But there will be more in the future. You know the drill. Core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Mondays, we do Lister Mail. Wednesdays, we usually do an Artifact or Monster Fact episode. And on Fridays, we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film on Weird House Cinema. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.